0: Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the contact us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless. Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Father, Lord God, we bless you. Lord God, we thank you that we can gather in this room and fellowship with your spirit, with one another, to look to your word. Lord God, that you care where we are and you have a plan for our lives. And God, we worship you this day. Meet with us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, Adam started a series a week ago and uh, then went on vacation. I'm um, giving him a really hard time. It's easy when he's not, not in the room. Um, to be honest, I'm very grateful that he decided not to study while he was gone and actually got away and rested this week. We are blessed with a pastor who preaches the word and works hard. To glorify God in this place, amen? And um, this week, preparing for this made me realize just what all he does every week. Last week, he began to lay the lay the groundwork talking about the Holy Spirit. Talking about how the Holy Spirit lives within us. If we are believers in Christ Jesus, the Holy Spirit literally resides in us. And he began to, to talk about how the Holy Spirit worked at salvation and how he continues to work out his plan in our lives. Life. It was interesting that one day this week I was putting the kids to bed and I had just finished praying with Joshua and he said, Dad, can I tell you something? Well, at my house, that's kind of dangerous sometimes. And I was like, Yes, son. And so he said, I believe that God is God. I was like, Okay, this, this conversation is starting off the way it should. And he said, I believe Jesus is God too. I said, Okay. I agree with that as well. He said, but I also believe the Holy Spirit is God. I was like, amen. We're going to have church right here at bedtime. I was like, that's awesome, son. He said, but, daddy? And then I was like, oh, here it comes. (laughs) He said, if I had to pick my favorite, I'm going to pick Jesus. And I was like, okay, I'm just okay with that. I'm going to stand up and walk out of here. We're going to leave it at that. I walked out of that room, and, and several things flooded through my mind, the first of which was how thankful I was for every Sunday school teacher, every Iwana teacher, and for Philip McClung, and that all that happens with our children, who are teaching our children these things. Now, I talk about these things. Amen. I talk about these things with my kids, but I'm going to be honest with you. As associate pastor of Rosemont Baptist Church, we hadn't taught about the Trinity at the Presley House yet. But they picked it up, little by little. And I was so pleased that, he, that he's beginning to put together these, these pieces. You know, but, he, but he says he, he had his favorite. He wanted, he wanted Jesus to be his favorite. You know, and, and then immediately I said, did I miss it as a parent? Did, did, I, did I walk out and miss the opportunity to sit and teach him about the Trinity? And then I realized I'm completely ill-equipped to explain that to him. And so I, I was pleased. I say all, all that to say that as we talk about the Holy Spirit, you can't help but talk about God the Father. You can't help talk about the Son because they're all one. And they're all Always in agreement. We look at the, the Scriptures and we see over and over that, that God so loved the world that He sent His Son. So, so God the Father sent us His Son. But over and over in Scripture we read how the Son said, I've done nothing apart from the Father. I've made no decision apart from the Father. I've only told you what the Father has told me to do. And we see this beautiful unity between God the Father and God the Son. And so, so, so then we begin thinking about what does that mean with the Spirit. And how the Spirit of God fits into this. I want to read for you a passage out of John 14. You don't, you don't need to turn there. I'm going to kind of skip through several verses. But, but to begin to set up the, the unity between the Father, the, the Son, and the Spirit. Beginning in verse 10 of John 14. Do you not believe that I am the Father and the Father that is in me? This is Jesus. The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else believe on account of the works themselves. Verse 15. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I'll ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you. This is verse 25. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. And bring to your remembrance all that I have said. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Then Jesus, uh, two chapters later in chapter 16, begins to explain about him leaving to the disciples. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go, the Helper will not come. But if I go, I will send Him to you. And when He comes, He'll convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. Clearly, we we see here that the Father... And the Son were one, but we also see that Jesus is saying that he's one with the Spirit. And when he goes, he's going to send him back for us. He's going to send him to dwell with us, and he's going to leave us here for our good. And Adam began to explain just, just how important it was that the Spirit dwelled in us last week. Very clearly, Adam asked me to talk about three aspects of the Holy, Holy Spirit with you this morning. And those are the Holy Spirit as our Counselor. The Holy Spirit as our helper and the Holy Spirit as our comforter. The roles that, that the Holy Spirit need to be playing and how that's working itself out daily in our lives as we walk with the Lord Jesus. Look, looking to Jesus as an example, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26, this is Jesus before he was arrested talking uh, with his disciples Matthew 26, beginning in verse 30. And when they had sung a hymn, they went to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it's written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I'm raised up, I'll go to Galilee. And Peter said, Though they may all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. And Jesus said, Truly, I tell you this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to the disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. That's a pretty simple little request. And taking with him Peter and his two sons, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, My father, if it's possible for this cup to pass from me, nevertheless, not my will, but yours. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me for one hour Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Isn't that just a picture of us? The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. There's so many things that are convicting in this, in this little interaction that's going on, not, not the least of which is that Jesus went and prayed for an hour, took a break, and then went back to pray some more. That Jesus said, this isn't what I desire for my life. These circumstances aren't what I want. This isn't the, the, the pain that I want to go through, but not my will, but the Father's. The, the disciples were asked simply to just watch and pray for an hour. And their flesh, their need for a nap, overcame their instruction from the Lord. But in verse 41, there's such a, there's such a, a promise for us. The Spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak. How true it is that the Spirit is working in our life. The Spirit is dwelling within us. The Spirit is here to guide us. But sometimes we, we rush right past that. Sometimes in the, in the business of our life or in our fleshly desires and the things that we are pursuing, we're missing out on what He has for us as our Counselor all oh, the times that, that I've heard that still small voice kind of kind of tell me you need to do this or why don't you respond in this way and, and and my answers just just run right past that because my flesh was more important in that moment than the than the than the spirit of god working in and through me and i kind of missed that how do how do i need to respond what's what's my first response when i sense some some leading of the lord the real question for us is, are we in such communion with the Father and the Son and the Spirit that we, we know their heart? Because the reality is, is, if He's dwelling within us, He's given us His Word, His Son has paid for our sins, and we've been given this fresh slate, we have everything that we need to hear from God. We, we have everything we need for the framework to be there so that we'll kind of know what it is that He expects from us. But the question is, is, is what are we going to do in that moment? How many times, and and we'll be honest, whether we verbalize this or not, we would be able to say, I know what the Bible says, but let me just tell you about my situation. You know what I mean? I I know that I probably should be doing this, but, but actually here's what's going on with me. We, we, we begin to, to kind of justify, we begin, begin to kind of explain. We've gotten into this, this culture of our society where everything is, is open for discussion. Well, if we look around, we can feel pretty good about ourselves as long as we're not like those people. And we're missing out on what it, the fullness of what the Holy Spirit has for us, how He would have us directed because we're not listening to Him intently. We're missing out. Because we're not letting him be our counselor. Our flesh is our counselor. If we were very honest. What our needs are, what our desires are, what our plans are, are overriding what his plans are. And I say that not in a, in a horrible, sinful way and that we're all just doing these horrible things. The reality is, as associate pastor of Rosemont, I can come into church and be really busy answering emails and making forms and, and making sure stuff gets done and do all this stuff and rush past these moments where he would have me pause, where he would have me share, what he would have me do. Am I the only one that's ever rushed past, driven past somebody with, with a flat tire and said, Man, I should probably stop. My, well, I need to get there. Let me make this call. I just, happened to me the other day. I even had enough the Holy Spirit to kick me twice because it was a long on-ramp. And I saw it way up in advance. And I said, like, oh, I'm going to go. And I kind of brushed past it like I normally do. He says, You still have time to stop. The Holy Spirit is there to be our counselor, but we're not listening. So many times we're rushing through our walk, not listening to the Spirit. Another passage that shows us that the Holy Spirit is our counselor is in Matthew chapter 10. Matthew 10, beginning in verse 16, we read this. Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as servants and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to the courts and flog you in the synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you will speak or what you will say, for what you will say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of the Father speaking through you. Now, the promise of Scripture was that if they lived the life they were supposed to be, they were going to find opposition, and then they were going to have to be given account. Their their Christianity was going to be uh, confronted, and they were going to have to testify about who the Lord was in their life. And and, and, And he immediately says, don't be anxious, because in that moment, I'm with you. In that moment, the Spirit will give you what you need. In that moment, the Spirit is your counselor. In that moment, don't worry. I am there with you. How many times have we failed to testify about the Lord, failed to share with somebody who God's placed in our path? Because to be really honest, we were worried about what we might say. I can't tell you how many times have people have talked about, about going on mission trips or talked to me about Mission LaGrange and said, Well, I, I can do lots of things, but I just don't know that I can share the gospel. Well, are you saved? Did he do something in your life? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Tell me about it and they can tell me that what God did in their heart and they do all of this I'm like there it is that was the gospel you know the gospel don't be anxious about that the lord can do it the question is are we are we walking with him in such a way that we hear him are we walking in such a way that we're responding to him and there's a heart tuned to the same frequency that his is cuz that's that's kind of where I get my heart gets out of tune I love the Lord, He saved me, I'm going to heaven, I work at a church, I've got all these things figured out, but but my heart gets out of tune. And what we see with the Holy Spirit is you've got to be be in tune. You've got to be in sync with Him in order to, to hear how He is counseling us, how He's leading us, how He's directing us. We see He wants to be our Helper, our counselor. The entire Bible is redemptive. God sent Jesus to save us from our sins, and we're his messengers, and he wants to use us to bear witness. But he's not only our counselor, and he doesn't have, not only have desires for us to share, but he's, he's also our helper. And as I begin to think about, how is the Holy Spirit my helper? And I... I came to this realization, the Holy Spirit is our helper in the fact that he helps us address our greatest need and that is our sin. Our continued sin problem. Now, Jesus forgave us of our sins and there's, there's truth in the fact that we've been forgiven of our sins. And there's truth in the fact that one day we're going to spend eternity in heaven. But you and I live in this place in between those two things, right? It's not just salvation and heaven, there's this sanctification process that he desires to continue to work out in our lives. And maybe I'm the only one that struggles with it, but I'm still a work in progress. i am still got a lot to do, and he's still showing me things that, that still need to be refined within me. And this is where the Holy Spirit is our helper. When we begin to miss the mark, when we realize that we're called to a holy life and we are failing, he is our helper. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Adam was in this passage last week and, and begin to, to read through all of the, the discussions of, of, of what the Spirit is doing. And, and this is going to be kind of lengthy. So, so bear with me as we, as we read through these verses. But think about what you hear about the role of the Spirit of God in your life. And we're going to boil all this down to three words in just a second. Beginning in verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh for our sin, He condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. There's, there's a month of sermons in there, but what, what, what we see here in the end is this recipe for how we are going to fight sin in our life. How He's going to help us. how he's going to, The Holy Spirit's going to be our helper to, to fight our sin, our ongoing fleshly nature. Years ago when I was in college, I, I read a book by John Owen called The Mortification of Sin. And the premise of the book is that we need to be killing sin in our life. We need to be attacking the things in our life that are sinful. And, and his quote of that book is, Be killing sin, or sin will be killing you. And as he, as he began to expound on how it is that we are, we are to wrestle with our sin nature, our, our ongoing flesh, he said not go to more church meetings, not have more prayer meetings, not list on Facebook so, so people can, can know what's going on. He, he, didn't, he didn't outline those things. What he did was he went back to verse 13 and he said, If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. He said the answer for us is to so walk with the Spirit of God, to so be filled with the Spirit of God that we are led by Him. The only way we're going to conquer the sin in our life, the flesh in our life, our our own desires is going to be led by the Spirit. Because the Spirit will give us the power to accomplish that. The Spirit is the one who will help us in this fight. But so many times we, we, we get determined, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, or I'm going to eliminate this from my life, or I'm going to, to stop doing this, or, or we try to figure out how we're going to do it, and we make up our own set of rules and our own set of circumstances that allows us to, to, to continue life in our own way instead of saying, Holy Spirit of God, you have reigned to strip anything from me. Give me help because I'm failing and my flesh is winning The answer to our sin problem is listening to the helper, that is the Holy Spirit, as we attempt to put to death the deeds of the body. There are three things that, three different ways that he can help in our battle against sin. And the first one was in the very first verse. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We need to recognize that in Christ we have been forgiven. When we fail, we have forgiven been forgiven we stand before him in a good place the enemy would have us be condemned the enemy would remind us of our stumbles the enemy would remind us of our past and I don't know who needs to hear this this morning but Jesus Christ paid the price for your sins and you are forgiven you are his he called you by name and he has forgiven you and that is done And the first step for us to to, to defeating sin is to recognize that we're not defeating anything, but He's already done it on our behalf. And when we can claim that, then we have a fresh slate to start on. And we can move forward trusting the Holy Spirit to remind us that we are His and that we are forgiven and that He loves us. But the second thing that, that we can do is that realize that the, the, the way He helps us is with His power. The power of the Spirit will be what helps us through these situations. The Bible tells us that in any situation that He promises to give us a way out. There, there's a way for us to avoid and there's, there's an opportunity for us not to sin. for us is to give the Holy Spirit power of our life to direct us and to us to submit to His leadership. If we want to, to, to work at getting rid of sin in our life, then we're going to have to listen to the Holy Spirit and submit to His power in our hearts. The third way that the Spirit can work and be our helper is we find in Galatians 5, chapter 16. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. And that is if we walk by the Spirit. If we walk by the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of our hearts. If we'll walk by the Spirit, though, implies that we will be one with the Spirit, that we'll be actively including the Spirit in our daily life. We talk about praying continually. We talk about walking in the Spirit, and yet we go about our life as if our calendar and our agenda and our happiness and our comfort comes first. And if we're going to say we're going to walk by the Spirit and not gratify the desires of our flesh, we're going to have to begin to change the priorities of, of who reigns in our life. And I say this to me as well, I'm the first one to get up in the morning and, and plan my day my way. Hannah's not in this service or we would have heard an amen to that one. We, we, we all have a fleshly nature. We, we, we read in, in Romans this, this, this struggle that we will continue between the flesh and the spirit until that day that we no longer have a fleshly nature. But the question is, are we placing the importance on the Holy Spirit in such a way that He reigns in our life, so that we are ready and in tune to hear how He wants us to walk? This implies an ongoing act, something that we are participating in. You can't sit down and say you're walking with the Spirit. You can't stop what you're doing and coast. It's a journey with the Spirit. And here's a test for us. As I sat and studied this this week, and Adam may have had me... Preach this message just so that that I would have to wrestle with all of this. But I was like, how do you know if you're walking with the Spirit? What's the test of whether you're actually trying to do this or not? Or how successful you're doing this? And in Galatians, there's a verse that we all know. For the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit that says the All the culmination of your work with the Spirit will be this. Love. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. And self-control. Against such things there is no law. If you are so walking with the Spirit of God and He is consuming who you are, then your life will reflect these things. A picture of everything that Jesus was. A picture of everything that we should be because we have been forgiven. There is no condemnation. We will be in heaven and he's given us the spirit to dwell within us. And he wants us to respond in the way that we should. And when we do those things, these will be characteristics that we'll see in the mirror. These will be characteristics that people will see in our life from afar. These will be characteristics that even in the tense moments at our house will prevail And I say this not to say that I've arrived, to say that this is the most convicting part of my sermon prep this week. But it is possible. It is the goal. And sometimes we forget that this is the goal. This is the reason that we needed a whole series on the Holy Spirit was so that we could be reminded that we're not there yet, but that He is available for us. He is our counselor. He is our helper. And finally, I want us to look and see that He is also... Our comforter. Philippians 2, beginning in verse 1, says, So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, listen to this phrase, any participation in the Spirit, Any affection or sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being of full accord and of one mind. Have nothing to do with selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is in Christ Jesus, who was In every form God, but did not count equality with God something to be grasped. We, we see if there's any encouragement in Christ, then, then then have the same mind as Christ. If there's any any participation in the Spirit, then have the same mind as the Spirit. Be so one with God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit that you are lining up with Him. And then the other interesting thing about this is that when you and I as believers all share the same Spirit as well, then the body of Christ begins to be able to have that unity. The body of Christ begins to respond in this way as well. And that's where the purpose of the church begins to find traction and the things of God begin to truly happen all around us. But, but the, the way we're going to find Jesus as our comforter is to have that participation in the Spirit. And when we participate in the Spirit, then we have the mind of Christ. When we participate in the Spirit, we have the love of God. And the, there are things in our life that begin to fade away. And the reason I say all of that is because we want His plan. We say we want His plan for our life. We want Him to prevail And we want to look at life through the lens that the Lord God has for us. And what does that have to do with Him being our comforter? Well, Jesus told us that in this world we're going to have trouble. Jesus told us if you're going to actually live out this life, it's going to be difficult. Jesus told me if you're going to follow these commands, then you're going to find opposition. We read in the Sermon on the Mount, be prepared to be persecuted. Blessed are you who are persecuted for my name's sake. If we're going to actually walk with God and listen to the Spirit and live in the way that He's called us to do, then it's not going to be easy. So we're going to have to talk about how is it that we're going to be comforted if we're going to go down this road that we've already been told is narrow and difficult. What happens when we're caught off guard? What happens when circumstances in our life take drastic changes? What happens when our world falls apart? Because we have to address that. Most of you know this story, but I want to read this story to you because it's, it's a beautiful picture of where we're going with the Holy Spirit as our comforter. Horatio Spafford lived in the 1800s and was a wealthy Chicago lawyer with a thriving legal practice. He had a beautiful home, a wife, four daughters, and a son. He was a devout Christian man and was faithful in his study of the Scriptures. One of his friends was Dwight Moody and he knew other well-known Christians of the day. At the very height of all his professional success, Horatio and his wife lost their son Shortly thereafter, in 1871, the Great Chicago Fire destroyed every, almost every real estate investment that he had, and he lost his success and his wealth. Shortly thereafter, he scheduled a boat trip to Europe to give his wife and daughters much-needed rest and recovery from the tragedy. He stayed behind to attend to some business matters and was going to join them a few days later. But before he left, he received notice that the ship had encountered a collision and all four of his daughters had drowned. Only his wife had survived. With a heavy heart, he boarded a boat to go and meet his grieving wife. And it was on that trip that he penned these words, now famous, When sorrow like sea billows roll, it is well. It is well with my soul. How in the world could he say that? Apart from the fact that the Lord God was enough. Now the story doesn't tell us everything. But it doesn't say he didn't cry. It doesn't say he didn't weep. It doesn't say his life was not undone. But it said in the moment when his world was nothing. There was something residing within him that says. It is okay. I am here. The Holy Spirit is. Is our comforter. And we've got to allow him that role. But the only way he can be our comfort is if God is supreme. If our world still means more than the Lord Jesus, he can't comfort us. But if he is supreme, then in that moment when nothing makes sense, when the world has fallen apart, he is enough even when it doesn't make sense. Four years ago, we were in a situation with our family that we were facing a medical crisis with one of our children. And we were this close to being given the news that would have been that drastic for us. And I stand here today to tell you that I cried. I stand here today to tell you I was scared out of my mind. I stand here today telling you I had no frame of reference what it might have been like if my family wasn't what it looked like. But in that moment, there was peace. There was an immense amount of uncertainty, but there was peace because there was hope. And we've got to so work out who the Spirit of God is in our life that when we, when we find our situation changing, that's where we run. Let's be honest, when our flesh, when something bad happens, the first thing we do is we grab our cell phone or we grab our computer and we run to Facebook and we're supposed to be running back to the Lord God who gave His Spirit to dwell within us. There's these moments when, when, When we lose our job or when we've been betrayed, when we don't make the team, when our friends betray us, when when we lose a loved one, when our life begins to crumble, there's the moment. And I think about Jesus Christ. What did Jesus do? I'm going to go away and spend the day on my knees with the Father. And what do I do? I call those who want to give me the most sympathy and I call those who want to tell me what I want to hear. When I'm supposed to be calling out to the Spirit of God. And saying, I need you. In closing, we had a series on the Sermon on the Mount we just completed last month. And in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus explained how this works itself out for us. Beginning in verse 24, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them is like a foolish man who builds his house in the sand. The rains come and the floods come and the winds blow and beat against the house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. The question for you and the question for me today... Is my life on the rock? And what does that look like? What does that look like tomorrow when things don't go that way? What does that look like when the computer crashes and everything goes away? What does that look like when, when we're, we find our situation to be in the worst possible way? The question for us is, is the Holy Spirit going to be the one that comforts us? Or are we going to try to figure out how to do that on our own? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we don't know what this life holds, but we thank you that today we know this. That in you we've been forgiven of our sins. In you we can find comfort. In you We can find help in our struggle with our flesh. In you there's no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ. God, I don't know who in this room needed to be reminded that their sins are paid for and that they are right with you. But today we declare the truth that you love us and that you sent your son and you have forgiven us. And God, we beg you to help us to understand your spirit. God, that you would help us tune your hearts to the spirit of God so that we can allow you to be our counselor. So that we can allow you to direct our lives. So that we can allow you to be our helper as we struggle against sin and against our flesh. God, that you would be our comforter. No matter what is thrown at us, that you might be supreme. God, help us to redirect our priorities and help us to to find ourselves running to you. To listen to that still, small voice as you lead, guide, and direct us. And God, that we might be found standing in the middle of the storm on the solid rock of Christ Jesus. Trusting in you to be our comfort, to be our help, to be our counselor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I've asked that we close today by singing that hymn. Let's worship him. The altar's open if you need to come down.